Welcome back to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. Today we are going to talk about an awesome maple species that works well in today's smaller yards. We are also going to talk about five shade-loving perennials that look great in shady landscape areas all season long. Finally, we are going to talk about peach cantaloupe cobbler. I never thought of adding cantaloupe to cobbler, but it works so well. Autumn and Labor Day is fast approaching, and part of that period of time includes pretty good deals at a lot of garden centers and nurseries and even our box stores. And because these discounts are coming fairly quickly, it's a great time for property owners to purchase plants for their yards and gardens. I wanted to talk about, over the next several weeks, trees especially that are very well adapted to our climate that are oftentimes very pretty that haven't been heard of or are not as popular as others that oftentimes are less adapted. A prime example of a popular but less adapted tree is autumn blaze maple. I want to talk about another species of maple that is more adapted to our soils than many other maples. This one is also incredibly cold hardy, surviving temperatures in the winter down to 30 to maybe 40 degrees below zero. It is called Tatarian maple. The Latin name is Acer Tatarium. T-A-T-A-R-I-C-U-M. There are many cultivars of Tatarian maple out there, and the two most popular are called Hot Wings and Rugged Charm. Hotwings maple was discovered in Colorado by a nurseryman, and its claim to fame is that its seeds or the helicopters or samaras, is what we'd really call them, are brilliant red. And so through late summer into fall, these seeds almost look like flowers, and they're very beautiful set against the darker green leaves of the tree. Tatarian maple is relatively tolerant of alkaline soil, and so it's a good replacement for the more popular flame maple that that gets a similar size, about 20 by 20, but the flame maple is horribly susceptible to iron deficiency and oftentimes just has very yellow leaves. And so in summary... Hotwings maple is a great choice because of its smaller size, which will be just shy of 20 feet by 20 feet, and so it will work well in our smaller yards. The helicopters that form on the tree in mid to late summer have really awesome bright red color that look like flowers, and then the fall color of the tree ranges from orange-red to yellow in the middle, and the multicolored leaves in the fall look beautiful. It's a great tree to consider if you need shade in your yard. As mentioned earlier, Rugged Charm is another cultivar of Tatarian maple. Its main difference is that its seed heads don't color up as much as Hotwings maple, but the tree gets taller up to about 25 to 28 feet, but it stays more narrow, around 15 feet. And so if you have an area with slightly limited space, 
this tree would work well as a screen along a fence or maybe even as a park strip tree because of its narrow width but taller height. If you use it in a park strip, you may have to limit up a little bit so that you can see under it as you're backing out of your driveway, but it is also a beautiful tree because it gets similar fall color where the leaves range from a reddish color to yellow on the same tree, you get that multicolor look that's very pretty. So as you're shopping and if you need a small tree for your yard, Rugged Charm and Hot Wings Maples are great options for most of Utah. And so in this segment, I wanted to talk about some useful perennials. They're actually not necessarily my favorites, but they're easy to take care of, and they have a long bloom time. And so we're going to talk about Japanese anemone, hosta, another one called corridalis, coral bells, and bleeding hearts. These are all shade perennials. So Japanese anemone. We are oftentimes familiar with the spring-blooming anemones. They're sometimes called windflowers. They have a pretty little flower, and yellows and pinks are quite common, and then they're done blooming. But a less common species are fall-blooming anemones, or Japanese anemone. The fall-blooming anemones are available now at garden centers, and they take a while to get established, and so you get this little diminutive plant, and then you plant it and you're like, oh, it, that's cute. But the Japanese anemones can get anywhere from two to three feet wide and high. And so you need to plan for that in your shade garden. The advantage to it is that it blooms from late summer almost to frost. And since it's a fall blooming shade plant, it's really good for that late season color when everything else is pretty much done blooming. I have not seen deer eat a lot of it, and it doesn't seem to be susceptible to many pests. I think overwatering would probably induce root diseases, but otherwise, it's a pretty carefree plant. The next perennial is hosta. Now, there are many, many kinds of hostas. There's many species, hundreds of cultivars, and they will range anywhere from a foot high and wide to six feet high and wide, depending on what you're doing. Hostas are great because they're easy to grow, they tolerate both sandy and clay soil, and they give you great color through their leaves to where you get straight green ones, blue-green, variegated types, and yellows. So there's lots of leaf colors to these, and so you use them as a filler plant because there are fewer strong blooming plants that you can use for your shade garden. Now, hosta are highly susceptible to feeding damage from deer and slugs and snails, and so those will need to be taken into account if you want to grow hosta. My next plant is less common but still very available. It's called corridalis. Corridalis is spelled C-O-R-Y-D-A-L-I-S, and so it looks like Corydalis, but it's pronounced Corridalis. Corridalis is one that blooms the first half of the summer until temperatures are around 90 degrees, and then it slows down, and it blooms more come late summer into fall when temperatures cool back down. 
It gets about a foot tall and 18 inches to two feet wide, and it will self-seed, and so it will spread a little bit in your shade area. But you can just rogue out ones you don't want or move them around a little bit. Crittalus is very easy to grow. It tolerates alkaline soil and requires an average amount of water. There are some blue varieties of crittalus available, but they are less common and that makes them a little harder to find. Now the next plant has become popular over the last 15 years and it's commonly called coral bells or sometimes heuchera. So some people will pronounce it heuchera, but it's heuchera, H-E-U-C-H-E-R-A. Coral bells are wonderful because they're just very easy to grow. They are available in three different leaf colors, including a dark red, yellow, and green, and then shades in between. The green ones will actually tolerate quite a bit of sun, but if you're growing the red varieties or the yellow varieties, they especially need afternoon shade past about 11 o'clock. The yellow varieties or lime-colored or whatever you want to call them are very brilliant in color. And they can add a nice pop in shade situations to where you get a lot of muted tones. And they can be a good replacement for flowers because of their bright color. However, the red and the green ones are a great addition to the shade garden where they add a nice texture and they stay looking nice all year round. The final perennial I am going to mention is Bleeding Heart. It is one that most of us are probably familiar with and it blooms from early April into July, and then it goes dormant. Depending on the variety, old-fashioned bleeding hearts can get three to four feet high and wide. However, there are what are called fern leaf bleeding hearts that will stay smaller in the 18 inches to two feet range, and those are also wonderful to use because of their different leaf texture and their flowers. There are white and pink bleeding hearts available, and they're resistant to most pests and diseases, and as long as they get an average amount of water, they can actually live for anywhere from 50 to 75 years in some situations. There are many other wonderful shade perennials that bloom quite well, have wonderful foliage textures, and I haven't even scratched the surface. But for the beginning gardener, these are some that are easy to grow, fairly available, and will get you started and get your confidence level up so you can try other things. Utah State University student horticulturist and intern Annie Smith has undertaken a project to find recipes that are easy to make and are delicious using fresh local food. What did you bake this week? I made something kind of weird. It's a cantaloupe peach cobbler. And I had some, and it was delicious. And so what's the theory be behind putting cantaloupe into the cobbler? Um, well, I saw this recipe, and it looked kind of interesting because, I don't know, baked cantaloupe just sounds kind of wild to me. Yeah, it doesn't really sound too appetizing to me. But I wanted to see if the flavors would actually mesh well together. And I think they did. And another bonus was that it didn't have a weird texture or anything. At least I thought it didn't. The cantaloupe no. tasted fine. Nope. It was tested by you, me, and Dean Miner, and I expect your family. Yep. And everyone liked it? Yeah. 
I actually liked the flavor of the cantaloupe. It didn't come through overly strong, but it mellowed the peach flavor out a bit. But I really liked the combination of cantaloupe and the peaches because it had a really nice mild flavor and they were complementary. Yeah, it's almost like when you add banana to a recipe and it just kind of mellows out the whole recipe. It's obviously not the exact same flavor, but along those same lines of toning down the flavors of other brighter fruits. And so what's your advice on people hesitant to try putting cantaloupe into a cobbler? I'd say it's extremely easy. So just try it out one time (laughs) because it it was way easy. It didn't change the recipe too much. This is pretty similar to my usual peach cobbler recipe that I use. It's just adding cantaloupe to it. So you're not really going to be at a loss if you end up not liking it. Well, and I think that anybody that tries this will like it. And I just thought it added a really nice flavor to the recipe. Would you go over some of the highlights of the recipe and if it was difficult or you ran into any difficulties? Honestly, it was really easy. It was about the same difficulty as any other cobbler I've ever made. One thing is that to one of the spices that goes really well with cantaloupe is actually ginger. It's a pretty normal peach cobbler recipe but you just add in some ginger and cantaloupe to it to just adjust the flavors a little bit. Basic cobbler ingredients with the spices, the butter, vanilla, cinnamon, little bit of salt. Then the topping that I like to use has shortening in it and flour, sugar, cinnamon, milk, salt, baking powder. I don't know. It's pretty easy. You might as well try it. (laughs) Yeah, and the other reason we're covering cantaloupe this week is because they're becoming ripe and if you grow cantaloupe you might have a lot of them and this is something different that you can do with cantaloupe that actually is quite good well thank you very much we'll post the recipe in the show notes and probably do some social media posts and remember to listen to the homegrown horticulture podcast available on all podcast players and find us on social media on Instagram, Homegrown Horticulture Podcast, and on Facebook. Before I sign off for the next few days, I wanted to mention really quickly that whenever you work in an industry, you are sometimes guilty of throwing around industry terms that may not be understood by the general public. And one term that you've probably heard me use multiple times and others is cultivar. Cultivar is a combination of the words cultivated variety. They are plants that were actually found or introduced through selective breeding for certain characteristics, whether it be a plant height, a leaf form, or flower color. Cultivars are often patented. The patent offers the breeder legal protections, and for a certain period of time, it is actually against the law to clonally propagate that plant. That means you're digging up portions of it to divide in your yard and plant elsewhere. You're not taking cuttings off of it or other means that would grow a brand new plant that's genetically the same. Now, conversely, a variety is usually a unique plant that was found in the wild or growing naturally. These cannot be patented but are oftentimes exclusive to certain nurseries who buy the plant from the plant explorer 
and may be hard to find for a while, but there's not legal protections on varieties. Thank you for listening to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll be back next week. The Homegrown Horticulture Podcast is a production of Utah State University Extension. 